0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we welcome Mike Cowper and Mike Simmons. We're bringing them on for to, to celebrate our 100th Episode. We've gone past 100 episodes, and we want to bring on our heavy hitters, our mentors, and our friends who have really helped us expand and accelerate our business this year. So, again, welcome, Mike and Mike, to the REI Foundation Podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us on. This is great. Awesome. Yeah,
2: congratulations on so many episodes so fast. I mean, you guys are awesome.
3: Rock stars. <laughs> And if you recognize Mike and Mike, that's because they had already blessed us with all this awesome information way back on episode 13, uh, their business based in Michigan. uh, I think they cover the entire state now, which maybe, maybe sooner or later, but their, uh, their return on investments do about 15 wholesales per month and absolutely have an incredible business. If you haven't gone back to episode 13, check that out first. There's just so much value given there. But today we want to get back and get a little bit more into the nitty gritty. If people come up to you and say, what do you guys do? What do you tell them? (laughs)
1: That's a funny question, actually. I had this conversation with my wife a lot because my wife, uh, when when I started in the business, she was my business partner. We flipped houses. I wasn't a wholesaler back then. So she gets the business. She understands it. So when someone will say to her, you know, what does your husband do for a living? She'll go, oh, he's a wholesaler. And they're like, what? And she's like, no, he, he gets houses under contract. And then he assigns the contract. And I'm always like, don't just don't nobody gets it like no one understands all that you, they'd gloss over i said just tell my flip houses and move on unless it's somebody who's like a good friend or whatever but you know if she's at a party meets someone should never see him again i always say just why do you do this to yourself because then they'll go well i don't know i don't get it so what is he is he a realtor it's like no no he's not a realtor but he does real estate it's like you end up in a 20-minute conversation they don't know what i do at the end of it i said just just cut bait but when people ask me who, you know, I have maybe a little bit more relationship with. Um, I tell them and it's, it's really just, you know, we're, we're wholesaling in really a traditional sense. If you wholesale anything, it's kind of the same concept, right? You buy something at a certain price and resell it at a higher price. So, that, I, you know, I don't get deep into it, but, you know, I tell them I flip houses and I also sometimes sell houses to investors who are also looking to find houses. We help them find those houses as well.
0: Fantastic. I that keep it. Bad.
2: I keep it extremely simple. I'm a real estate investor. And then if they want to probe further, they can. And then I can get deeper in the weeds depending on their level. And I usually start with the most common versions of that. Cause Mike and I are both, you know, landlords as well. You know why that's our long-term wealth building for our families. That's outside of our return on investments business. But if, they, if I start somewhere, it's like, yeah, we, you know, those shows, we kind of do what they do. I don't try. I don't never get into the weeds and actually what wholesaling and assigning is. And then the same thing, I, you know, we've got a portfolio of rentals that send me checks each month and I have a property manager that does all the work for me. I never want to meet a single tenant.
3: <laughs> yeah. So let's touch on that a little bit. If you are now having this awesome wholesale business, which you guys do, why are you guys going after the rentals? What does that do for you? Come yeah. on, Mike.
1: I mean, for, for me, it's, it's diversification, right? Multiple streams of income, diversification. I don't really ever want, and I don't think anybody should have all of their revenue tied to one thing so that if that thing goes away, doesn't go well, there's ups and downs. I just, I, I just, I want the security. It's, it's for the same reason why I like buying single family homes, maybe, as opposed to like even apartment buildings or why I put my single family homes, the ones I buy are in different cities. I just don't want any, any one thing to be able to submarine my family's income.
2: Yeah, the reason I do it, passive income, right? I, I work and Mike works and our team works extremely hard in our business and we're trying to build it to a point where we can step back and allow it to run itself. But at the same time, there's not a better proven model for becoming wealthy in America than through real estate. And buying a house that kicks off 100, 2, 3, 400 bucks a month consistently over time, is the most tried and true way of doing that. So, I mean, the reason... I mean, we have a great wholesale business. So we get to look at more deals than most. So we we're extremely blessed in what we've built in terms of just what our personality profile is in terms of our, our day-to-day, quote-unquote, job or business. But at the same point, we understand the end game, which is having passive income, continually you know, hitting our bank accounts with very little involvement after maybe that first stage renovation. Yeah.
0: Nice. So yep, what's your Go ahead.
2: No,
1: I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say it's true that passive income is important for us.
0: Yes, passive income is the end game. And Jason, I definitely, definitely see eye to eye yeah. with you on that. What does your rental portfolio look like right now?
2: So I've got 47 doors, um, seven single family, and I'm a part of a syndication for a 40-unit apartment complex. Nice.
1: I've got uh, a million
2: contract that I'm getting like 125 bucks a month interest only. But he's due to pay me <laughs> in four months.
1: There you go. Um, I just have... I have no uh, I have no syndication or no apartment buildings, nothing like that. It's all straight single-family homes. So I have 17 right now single-family homes, getting ready to buy my 18th right now. My goal is 50 by the time my wife retires, which is um,
3: a couple more years. So yeah, a couple more Probably years so have
0: to... Get, um Mr. Simmons into uh, into syndication. Yeah, we'd
3: love it. Now, what, what would stand <laughs> out for you in terms of it, when you guys are l- mailing out and you're getting these calls and what, what stands out that said we should make that a rental?
1: So like Mike said, it's, we, they're individual for us. We don't buy rentals as a company. So in our business, our, our uh, wholesaling company is never uh, compromised. In other words, we get something in into our system, we get it under contract, that goes out to our buyers list and we have to bid on any property that comes into our system. Mike and I bid on it like any other buyer. The only advantage we have is that we are we can match the highest offer that we get and just take it ourselves. So it's a small perk, but if we start t- cherry picking properties and taking them at contract value, what does that do to the morale of your sales guy, who's compensated that way? All, everybody in our company, mostly, most of the people in our company, are are somehow tied to our profits. So it's just demoralizing for us to start cherry picking and taking all the great properties where that we could have sold for a lot of money to a buyer or even flipped to take that down ourselves. Is just it's cannibalizing our our core business and we don't do that. So what do we look for? Same thing everyone else looks for. Every every place in the country is a little different, but we kind of adhere to the 2% rule a little bit. Here in Michigan, we're able to get really, really, really good returns for our rentals. So um, yeah, we're, we're looking uh, usually be in that 2% range. And then Mike and I sometimes... We haven't really had it yet, but we're probably going to start bidding against each other here pretty soon because we're both in kind of an aggressive rental purchasing mode Oh, nice. Watch I, would, out. I would love to be
0: out a, a fly on the wall when that happens. I mean
1: it's not it's not super fantastic for Mike and I personally, but for the company it's great, right? Yes. You get two guys who want this, we'll bid it up until we're not comfortable, so.
2: Yeah. And if we get to that point, which he like said, we've never actually bid against each other I don't think. Um probably just had up doing like a blind submission, highest and best. Uh,
1: yeah, great. something like that. I mean, we've I think and we probably could have bid against each other if we really really wanted to be aggressive, but I think there's been times probably where Mike's just said, "Ah, go ahead. Or I've said the same thing. Just eh, go ahead and take that one. Like it's not been such a something I wanted so bad that I was going to bid against them. But I think, like I said, I have a goal in two years from now to go from 17 to 50 rentals. And I know Mike has similar goals where it's very aggressive. So there's no way around it. We're going to butt up against each other in some of these. So it will be fun. Battle royale. So if you guys aren't
3: here right now with us in the podcast, what would you be doing?
1: It's a great question. I just came from a meeting because uh, we're looking at hiring a key person in our company. And I'm going to a meeting to talk to another person who we're considering for that exact role after this podcast. So I might be talking to somebody in that who we might be hiring that role if I wasn't here right now. So I actually had to race. I was thinking I was going to be a little more late than I than I was. But yeah, I, I would be working on probably the hiring of this person.
2: Race. I mean, what I'm working on right now, uh, traction, we talked about in our coaching call not too long ago. But I'm working on our core processes and making them simpler. I had gone an iteration in the past where I went super duper deep into the weeds, maybe even into the dirt and the root systems mm-hmm. um, <laughs> about every single action and step and thing. But um, I'm really going back through that. We're, we're implementing traction as a part of our business. Um, it's the EOS business model. So we're really trying to focus on that. And my rock that I'm working on is to document all of our core process throughout this year, and uh, this quarter. So We might bring on someone that can take that off my plate at some point, but I'm not banking on it. So I'm still working through it. And if we do bring on somebody, it'll be a good learning opportunity for them to kind of see what I just did and then start taking the reins on other things along those lines.
0: I am all about the book Traction. Can you explain to our listeners, just give us a little like blurb about the book. What is the book about and how is it gonna help you take your already awesome business to the next level?
2: So Traction is a book that is almost a how-to manual on how to run an effective and efficient business. Um, it's, it's something I've listened to on audiobook, but you can't get the entire, I guess, content and value out of it that way because I go back to it, different pages, different times and you don't follow it necessarily in the order it's written for when you're implementing it. Mm-hmm. But basically what it does is it, it, it holds you accountable to a few different things, right? Making sure you have the right people on your team making sure that you have the right seats outlined for your your entire business, what are the responsibilities and the roles for those, and then make sure that you have the right bus for those people to sit on, right? Is this the industry and the company that they should be a part of? So we're trying to identify that with all of our people, which I'm pretty confident we have right now. We have the right people. I think as of right now, we have them all in the right seats. It might be one that I might need to switch seats on, but I know we have the right bus. Now it's just how do we make that bus bigger and go to more stops?
1: Because the thing is, if you would have told me 8 years ago that I would be part of running a business like Mike and I are running, I would have been like, mind blown. Like, good. I'm good. I don't ever need more than that. But it's funny when you get to a point that you couldn't maybe see that far a while back. Mike always says this. I'm butchering it. But when you get to the point, now you can see further, right? So <clears throat> for us, even though we might be doing you know 15 deals a month or whatever... It, we just want to grow much bigger than that. And, and you know, every company has to go through changes and morph a little bit to get from where they are to where they ultimately want to be. So our company, as some people might look at it and go, wow, you guys are successful. It's going great. Yeah, it is. But our eye is much farther down the road than where we are right now.
2: Nice. The, the quote is, uh, go as far as you can see and you'll see further.
1: That's so, awesome. uh, what
3: I said.
2: I think that's what I said.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite minute of your entrepreneurial day? Hmm. Minute, <laughs> Mike's gonna laugh at this one.
1: One of the one of the things I like about my entrepreneurial day, I was in corporate America for a number of years. One of my favorite things is getting out of bed around eight o'clock and going downstairs and having a coffee and catching up on. The news of the day kind of a thing, you know, like watching some political thing or talk show from last night. Like that makes me happy because I know how many, how many years I was getting up super early, going into a job that I absolutely hated, but I had to be there at a certain time where I was going to catch attitude or whatever from whoever. I I just like that sort of I, I like real like easing into my day a little bit. I'm not a get up at four, get on the treadmill. You know, I do more before seven than most people do all day. I don't. I don't do anything before seven, <clears throat> so if you, you get up before seven, after
2: seven, I, I, I most people do in a day.
1: Yeah, I, it's true. I, I, but I do I do a lot of stuff at night, so I'm a night owl. I stay up late, and that's conducive to being an entrepreneur. And I like that. So it sort of sounds like like that's probably not the coolest answer in the world, the most rock answer. Like I love making deals. I do, but I I like having a little more freedom of time.
0: Well, I tell people these days because our one of our biggest questions used to be what what. What were what, what did you do in the mornings? Um, like what because we're big followers of the Miracle Morning and Hal El Rod, but some people are just not like that. I mean, when we were talking to two former bartenders, we yeah. used to stay up until seven o'clock <laughs> in the morning, like seriously, we, seven o'clock yeah. in the morning, wow.
3: walk out of the bar and
0: man. go to him have breakfast.
3: Yep, <laughs> and people are running, and you know, their day <laughs> going to work, and we're stumbling out just going home. Oh my gosh,
1: I've tried so hard to be a morning person. I, it. To get up and have like this like hit the ground running, it puts me in a bad mood it 's just not good for me to the point that i 've even stopped like I still do it sometimes, but I try not to look at my texts and emails as soon as I get out of bed mm-hmm. because it 's just i don 't like getting punched in the face as soon as I wake up I want to I wanna be able to get up and like wake up and then look at that stuff so
2: so uh, that's, to, to your point on that i 've actually started implementing the Tim Ferriss move. As soon as dinner's over, I throw my phone in airplane mode and I don't do, turn it back off of that until I'm done with my morning routine, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is the miracle morning. Yeah. I, I am that early bird. I don't even set an alarm. I'm up at five, five thirty every day.
0: So That's are great. we, we've, yeah. we've turned into early birds. I don't know how we did it, yeah. but we did it. Two kids help too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my kids
1: are older. I will say that I have nobody waking me up that early. Everyone goes off to school or to work and like, there's no one home. So it's,
0: so we got cool. two young ones. they they're, they're good. Uh, they're good. Alarm clocks, yeah. those kids.
3: Can't beat them up. <laughs> yeah. What's your least favorite part about being entrepreneurs?
2: Boy, I got, don't I get my minute?
3: Oh, go oh, for it. You're yeah. it. Yes. No.
2: <laughs> no, my favorite minute of the day for as an entrepreneur is um, I've kind of tweaked the, the miracle morning a little bit. So at night, I do my journaling and gratitude portions of it. So that's my favorite minute of the day It's kind of reflecting on what I've done through the day, both personally and professionally. And I'm usually able to do it. I, I use an audio recorder now. I hate writing things down. So I just, I, just, I talk to myself for a minute and basically just recap my day and, and try to find a way to be grateful for every portion of it, good or bad.
1: Nice. We, we've
3: heard so much about that because you, you do that to, as the last thing before you go to bed and it's just what resonates with you while you sleep instead of going through having your know, Facebook on or doing some kind of other emails and you're stuck with that.
2: Well, and I always found that I had trouble remembering the next day, right? Because we're all business people. So we're always thinking, what's the next thing to get done? Well, at the end of the day, I know what I got done today. And then tomorrow I'm thinking about what do I get done today? But I also plan for tomorrow now a little bit better.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great way to journal. I'm doing something called the best self journal. And you actually journal a little bit in the morning and a little bit at night. So you discuss how much, like what you're grateful for in the the morning. And then you talk about the same thing at night. It's it's an amazing thing. So I'm, I'm right there with you, Mike Helper. <laughs> so
3: we've already precursor to this question, but least favorite thing about entrepreneurship?
1: Gosh, I was even trying to think while Mike was talking, like least favorite thing. I spent so much time in corporate America that it's just all upside almost. I would say the one thing that can be a little bit of an issue is is my my oldest daughter likes to refer to me as a stay-at-home dad. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, no, I I actually have things I need to do. And she's like, no, you're a stay-at-home dad. I'm like, no, not really. Now she knows that it, it frustrates me. So she just does it to just poke at me. But I'm like, just because I don't have to punch a clock and then be home at five every day. It doesn't mean I'm a stay-at-home dad. She's like, ah, you're a stay-at-home dad. So sometimes, the, it's sometimes uh, the family doesn't recognize that although you're in the house, you still have things that have to get done no matter what. So they're pretty good about it. But I, I get razzed a lot about that. <laughs>
3: That's
2: awesome. I would say probably my least favorite part of the day is the consistent distractions from our team. That can pull me off of work on the big picture processes and things that we need to do to move forward. Agreed. And it's no one's necessarily fault because um, we're just sitting in a lot of seats right now as the co-owners, and that's kind of what we're looking to find someone is to replace us as that day-to-day person that can take over some of those things. So, if, if you're a traction reader integrator, that's what we're looking for. And we're taking our time intentionally. We have set up like 15 different steps that we have to take to make sure we get this. So, me and him don't make a decision way too quickly. Like we're apt to do at times, just try to get yep. things done. But um, just getting distracted because I think there's a study done. If you get pulled off of one task, it can take you up to 15 to 20 minutes to get back onto what you're doing or or five minutes, maybe I'm exaggerating. But the fact that when you're in a groove and then something pulls you away from it, and then you can't try and get back into it, it's always hard to do that. And as an owner of a business, that happens a lot. And we can't necessarily focus on maybe the highest value thing all the time like we would like to.
1: And just to be clear, we have an office, like we have a physical location for our business. So, when we're there, and and like to Mike's point, it's a good point. We're working and we're working on the business and trying to trying to do things. And the it's because we're within sight of everyone that works for us. It's real easy to go, hey, what's what do you think about this? Or hey, this seller said this. What should I do? So we get pulled away a lot by questions just because we're we're right there. They
3: can see us, you know. So, uh, yeah, that that is a tough thing. Mike's right. Awesome. Awesome. So real, so- real life podcasting. If you hear our new puppy in the background, it's uh, our office's new puppy. Nika <laughs> nice. going crazy out there probably. Nice. Escape outside, but.
0: <laughs> so is there anything you enjoy more than being an entrepreneur?
2: No, I don't think so. Just the ability to control what I do, when I do it, how I do it, for the most part, obviously we have discussions and conversation about everything, but I have direct control of everything in my life. I would never trade that for anything else. I, I mean, I was very successful as a salesperson in a lot of different industries. I work more than I ever have, and I'm happier than I've ever been.
1: Yeah, I, there's nothing I like being more than an entrepreneur because being an entrepreneur gives Mike and I, and me, you know, you're asking, uh, answering for myself, uh, the ability to spend more time with my family and and to have more freedom of my time with my family. So time with my family, I value more than being an entrepreneur, but being an
3: entrepreneur gives me that time. So yeah, there's, there's really nothing better than that. What, what's a hack that you guys put into your business or your entrepreneurial life to make you focused and productive?
2: So I actually just found this somewhat recently. Someone uh, referred it to me, the MF CEO uh, profanity alert. If anyone listens to that podcast, but he has something called the power list. It's, I've been trying to be more uh, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say, it. Focused on what I do each day rather than letting the day take me by storm, trying to be more proactive about interactions and, and help with that, so I have a rock that I always have to complete by the end of the quarter. But I, I kind of want all my rocks done in the next week. Like that's just how I am. <laughs> so uh, what he has is something called the power list, and I, I think it's kind of a cool concept. I'm, I'm testing it right now. I literally just started my first day today, but basically is you write down the five things that are uncomfortable. And critical to making you as a person move forward. And if you do only, if you do all of the tasks and cross them all off, do you get to write down a W for the day? So you won that day and try to win more days than you lose in a week. Then you won that week. Try and win more weeks in a month. Then you win that month. Then you win the quarter. Then you win the year. So I'm trying to think about that and, and, and nothing should be on your list Consistently, more than 21 to maybe 30 days, because at that point it should have become a habit, and it's no longer uncomfortable for you to do. So I kind of like that concept, and that's the kind of the hack I'm trying to bring into it. Um, you know, I could use some of the more cliche stuff, you know, the automate, systematize, which you can, which a lot of technology can do for a lot of us in these days. Um, I would definitely recommend looking into that, but for me personally, that's the, probably the biggest hack that I'm implementing right now that I think is going to have the
3: biggest impact what's a, what's an example of something that you're trying to work through on your major list as uncomfortable.
2: So my two rocks for this quarter is to find two acquisitions managers that are very highly qualified. Mike has a final interview with somebody next week that I think might be very well suited. So head of the curve on that one. The other thing is I have to document in, in, um, basically put in the drive, all of our core company processes. So that's that in terms of the, the, Powerless, what I'm looking at is um, having meaningful exercise every day, right? I can mail it in and do 10 push-ups. That's not really exercising. Um, identify my one you know, push thing is identify all of our core processes today, uh, 50 net carbs or less, and reach out to three people in my network asking for referrals for an integrator. And I reach out to five. So I've got most of my list crossed off. I can't cross off the net carbs until um, you know, I stop eating today. <laughs>
1: awesome. That's funny. So Mike is way more of a hack guy than I am. I'm not really a hack guy. However, one thing that I have made a commitment to do at the end of last year, and I did it like big time, is I've never been a real big consumer of books. Like I don't... If I ever read, it was just for pleasure. It wasn't like business related or self-help or anything like that. But I've consumed just a a ton of self-help and business related books in the last, basically the last quarter of last year. Um, mostly listening to him on audio while I'm driving. So I I am in my car a decent amount and just turning it up to Mike's going to scoff at this, but one and a half to two times speed, even though he, he goes three and four times. He's, I don't know how he even hears on like chipmunks talking when I hear him listening to audio, but, um, just turning that up and just so I can consume books faster. I mean, books like traction and, and rocket fuel, which are kind of hand in hand. Um, some, some other books by Gary Vaynerchuk and, and Simon Sinek about, um, Uh, finding your why for your company and things like that. So just things that help help me become a better business owner and a better manager of people, I've been focusing on quite a bit. Because I, I think for me, especially at the point we are in our business, It's not about what Mike and I can do anymore. It's not about our horsepower and and our knowledge and what we can get done. It's about how we motivate and incentivize other people to do things to get us to the next level. So we can be the greatest investors ever that has ever lived, but it will only get us to a point and we will hit a ceiling. So we need to figure out how do we bring in people? How do we create a culture and motivate people to take us way beyond what we can do on our own? Because that's really what I'm focused on right now a
2: lot. Oh, and I got to brag for Mike. He's uh, actually presenting at Gar- Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, conference at the end of January. Wow.
0: Congratulations. Awesome. Give yeah, us actually, the information on that and we'll, we'll, we'll pop it out to everybody. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, uh,
1: it's at, I can't remember the name. It's the Miami Dolphins Stadium. I'm, I think it's a hard rock stadium. I think that's what it's called. But it's in the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, January 24th is the day that it's happening amazing so, nice. yeah it's it's called agent 2021 and it's it's about uh marketing digital marketing social media marketing for um, a couple different a- real estate industry the travel industry a couple of the industries that are re- that are kind of related to those so yeah it should be pretty cool it should be pretty that fun. be awesome That's yeah, fantastic. It's huge it's gonna be interesting or, I think
0: going oh. a little bit back to your goals um tell me a little bit about Tell me a little bit about what you would consider to be a success as an entrepreneur.
1: Um, you mean like company goals or personal
0: goals? Your goals, um, like how your goals. Well,
3: entrepreneurship is always tough, right? Maybe yes. maybe you're taking it. So you constantly reach something, but you, we're always on a point where we're doing more. So you almost wash over your successes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Do, you, do you assume that you look <laughs> at it and say that's success?
1: Oh, my gosh. I, I, go ahead, Mike. I have an answer, but go ahead.
2: I don't know that success will ever be achieved.
1: Did you freeze Mike? I think he froze. Oh, he's uh, making, he's
3: putting you, he's putting you on the, uh, because oh, I think right.
2: part of the process is up. But, oh, did I freeze up.
3: Yeah. You got out. a little choppy right. there for a second.
1: Go back
2: and give us okay. the answer. Yeah. So I say, I, I don't know that there's ever a finish line for an entrepreneur, especially at least for me right now. I don't see that. I think the journey is the success growing is the success Seeing. I mean, my wife being able to stay home with my son every day is awesome. That, that's a success for me. So it, it doesn't necessarily always turn into, hey, I hit this number. But hitting those goals that we set up and we keep striving for stronger goals and bigger goals means we're able to be successful in our personal life. And now we're looking for that next person to help take over some of the day-to-day so we can either spend more time with our families or spend more time on growing the business. And maybe a combination of the two is probably the most likely And then the same point, the success is we have people on our team that literally get their, their families, ability to earn and live through the business we've created. So it's starting to bring out this root system of things that were really kind of a cool feeling to have as a, as an owner. Um, But I'm terrible. Like, I think I hate losing more than I like winning. And that I will just, you know, I set a goal. If I miss it, I'm going to do way better next time. You know, when, when I was back in sports, I hated losing and I love winning, but if the win, okay, cool. Where's the next one? And that's kind of always been my mental state. (laughs) Yeah. We're,
1: we're cursed in a similar way, Mike. And I. I honestly, probably the, the, the worst part or the, the part that's the saddest about being in the, in the position we're in is I I have a hard time getting really excited about the wins. I do, just for the same reason Mike said, we we take down a deal that's that's huge, I literally don't give it more than a second thought before I start looking at at the next issue that we have to deal with. So, I think for me the success as an entrepreneur is the more time I can spend with my family and at the same time grow and strengthen our business. That to me that's success, right? So, it's like Spend tons of time, not a lot of time with the, with the, the family. So if, if I can change that dynamic and spend more time with the family and watch the business grow exponentially without me spending more time in it, that that's the holy grail for me. I I really do think that's that's really what I'm going for, and that that makes me more happy than anything. So
2: I think to make it concise for both of us, then I this might be a fair statement: the ability to control our life is the the component of success, right? We can control how much we want to work, how much we don't want to work. The flexibility to, you know, if my son has something coming up in an hour after we're done, I'm going to go do that, right? Because <laughs> I can delegate a lot of things to our team if I need to, and if there's a big issue, it can wait until I'm done. Very rarely, if yeah. something needs to be handled, that literal second.
1: Yeah. For me, the scariest thing for me is if I stop working my butt off, the company. Goes downhill, right? I don't want to see the company's success tied 100 percent to how hard Mike and I work every single second. So when I can break away and the company, there's no real negative impact in the short term. That's great. That just means we're doing a good job as business owners.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of our one of our questions. Yeah, so you yeah, know, Mike Cowper, what would be your fear?
2: I'm not afraid of anything. <laughs> good answer. Snakes. <laughs> I, <don't
0: know.
2: laughs> um, I mean. I kind of did this with uh, Tara at the flip hacking live a few years ago, but I, I'm, I'm still have that, that imposter syndrome feeling there, right? Like I'm not quite sure I'm good enough uh, in my building a house of cards. I know we're not, but internally, I think I'm always afraid that <clears throat> is this sustainable? Is this something that I can bank on? I mean, I, I know it is because I've done it and I literally, I found out I was having a baby. I had a baby and I quit my job a month later. So <laughs> You know, i it's just the fear of maybe things not working out, but I know deep, deep down that I'm going to work so hard that it's never going to not happen. And I know I've got a partner that's going to work as hard as possible and it's never going to happen. So it's a fear, but it's something that I know is unfounded.
3: What's the advice that you hear frequently given to real estate investors that you absolutely disagree with?
1: That's a good question. I'm not It's going to seem a little, this might be a little counterintuitive. Maybe I think it goes against a lot of times what you hear when people say they quit their job. Like, "Ah, I want to be a real estate investor. I quit my job. People clap and they're supportive. I'm not a huge fan of that i i didn 't do it that way and in it listen if you're if you 're a twenty five year old single person and you 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 know you make thirty thousand dollars a year and you go, I quit my job and I live at home and so that's great, but if you have kids and a mortgage and, and a and a wife or a husband who you're going to completely stress out and st- like I say you can do both for a while until it makes sense to make that split i i'm not a huge fan of everyone saying burn the boats like it's okay for some people in certain situations but it like that's reckless if someone just asks me they come to me and say hey listen i've been a school teacher you know i have benefits and i have this pension that's that's 10 years away but i want to be a real estate investor i think I'm, i think i'm going to quit my job it's like mm, i don't know but you might want to might want to not do that because this is something you can do in your spare time and at night until you kind of have a a flow that you know you can replace your income or I don't know. I'm not a big fan of just like burning the boats for everyone. It's okay for some people. It's not good for everyone.
2: Yeah. And to clarify that with Mike and my situation, I had rentals that could help supplement my income. And Mike and I had been working together for months prior to that. And I had a pretty good nest egg that I could contribute to our seed round of funding for our business that Mike and I both put in. So it was a situation that i not knowing knowingly planned for, but just being diligent in my financials and budgeting and things like that, I was able to make that choice. That's great. Nice. Um, I, I for me for bad advice, I don't know if it's a consistent advice, but I think people are too scared to pull the trigger sometimes. If and I, I'm big into coaching. Obviously, we're part of the the coaching group. The you know house flipping formula, seven figure flipping, eight figure, all that stuff. I think it's huge to not learn from mistakes. But I think people get almost too information heavy, where they want to learn so much about everything that they, they, they don't want to make any mistakes, you're going to make them no matter what. So if you buy a house, especially if you're going more towards like a landlord play on a long enough timeline, it's going to pay off. So you can, you know, the old thing from uh, fight club, right? On a long time timeline, everything dies, that type of thing. It's the same idea. If you have on a long enough timeline, you should make money with a rental. <laughs> because if you have it for 50 years and you make a little bit of money every single month, you should eventually pay off the house and all that. So I think people are associating some risk more than they need to. But at the same point, if you're doing a flip, you can get burned pretty hard too, especially some of the high equity markets or the high price tag markets, but you can get a pretty extensive education and make money to try and find the people locally that can help you do that and be your guiding light. Yeah. And don't just talk to the first person and jump in bed with them, right? Because you, yeah. you can get conned that
3: way.
0: Nice. And what Mike's discussing right now is Justin Williams has a program called House Flipping Formula. He has a program called Seven Figure Flipping. He has a program called Eight Figure Flipping and Six Figure Flipping, which is happening this weekend. Um, And this is a coaching program that has been phenomenal. It's how Jason and I met Mike Cowper and Mike Simmons, and we are very grateful for this program. So we'll definitely have that in the show notes. So thank you for bringing that up, Mike.
2: I mean, it's really how we scaled our business from a quarter million to a million in a year. Just being able to find what other people are doing better than us, and you know it 's an expensive price tag for what we jumped into, but it 's paid itself off multiple times over and and that 's the thing right there's so many things out there it's almost trying to figure out which one 's real and which one 's not, and it 's hard to do sometimes
0: yeah. and then you pick the you pick the group that coincides with your values, and that 's what I love about this group because everybody 's values, even though we 're all different people, we basically all have sort of the same core values. And plus we like to one up each other. And that's how you guys got to win. In a good team. way. I remember it was a contest.
1: Right. Yeah, it was a contest. Don't don't stoke our competitive fires because we hate to lose. So yeah. I told you, I hate to
2: lose more than I like to win.
1: Yeah. It's good <laughs> friendly competition. I mean, honestly, if I was in a group of people that had no couldn't care less about what everyone else is doing and try to try to match like it's just I, I think competitive people rise to the top. I do. So and I think that you'll you'll see that the people that succeed in any business, there's something competitive inside them. Maybe it was sports when they were younger or whatever, but they're they're just competitive. It's it's I can I don't think I could I couldn't keep like building a business if I wasn't competitive. I mean, we're even just competitive with ourselves. Like we look at what we did last year, we want to do better than that. Like even if no one was competing with us, we would be competitive with ourselves. You know, I think that's just a component
3: of a successful person. So you're both in Michigan. What's what's the go-to restaurant that you if you only could eat at one restaurant every single day, which restaurant would it be and what kind of food?
2: Basement Burger Bar. It is yep. the best. Oh, so literally they have a few different varieties of nice high quality meat you build your own burger or salad they've got some pretty awesome appetizers and they've got a great selection of craft beers
1: nice. wow Amazing. you had that in the chamber didn't you mike i'm wow. going
2: there on saturday i can't wait <laughs> a awesome. networking from actually someone in the house of formulas in our area and just wanted to grab lunch and pick my brain so
1: that's hilarious <laughs> um I, yeah i don't know it's a good question i don't have like go-to place if it, if a certain your steak place food, shut down i know my st- i had a great steak place um yeah, it's a really good question. Because my wife and I, we're really big on like trying new places all the time. So we rarely repeat the same restaurants over and over again. But there is a great restaurant. It's actually uh, in Detroit. It's called Slow's. It's a barbecue place. Super famous. Super well-known. If you come to Detroit area, just go to Slow's. It's a long line. So you know get there early. But it's really good barbecue food.
0: Awesome. So hungry. if you had to battle a Tyrannosaurus Rex, what weapon would you use? yeah go ahead for
2: fun I might think of a of a bow and arrow with a rope around it so I could you know star wars their legs
1: that's good wow that's a this is talk about a question I might have wanted to get beforehand wow (laughs) (laughs) if if I were to fight a transverse rex I would probably try to find another transverse rex and make them fight each other
0: Right. Nice.
3: Andy came around with another dinosaur as well. We never even thought yeah. of that. A- so.
0: Megalodon? Yeah, the
3: Megalodon. There you is.
1: go. He's a, this is like, we've watched Jurassic Park. That's, we know how to fight big dinosaurs. You what have to the get g- them g- diverted d- into another big dinosaur.
2: That's really funny. My dad's boat name is the Megalodon.
1: Nice.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Giant
3: shark from the past. That's hilarious. That's great. That's great.
0: So, so. which Mickey Mouse character would you, would you invite to dinner?
2: <laughs> I already dressed up for Goofy as Halloween this year. Oh, yeah.
1: no. I know that that's my answer to Goofy for sure. That would be investor, awesome.
0: Really is the best.
3: So we, we awesome. asked this question to you last time, but we'd love to hear it again. If if this is a new investor's first time listening to this, or someone just getting into it, what's one actual step they can basically do today to really transcend their business and just start getting traction?
2: If they're new and starting today. I would go on any social media, bigger pockets, Facebook, whatever, and find everybody in our local area and send a message to every single one of them and see if you could take them out to coffee. That's literally how I met Mike. I reached out to a ton of people, just happened to catch him in a spot where he was looking for somebody, and it turned into this business. Was so,
3: one question you would ask them at that meeting that you would have to ask them.
2: Well, the thing that I do with my, I was I was specifically looking for how to market directly to sellers. So I, I would go in there with a specific intent of something that you want to learn. Like, okay, what's the best way to put off or whatever it is. I would talk to them about whatever it is you're looking for since they've given you the time and then ask them, how can I help you? Is there anything that you're doing right now that I can be an assistant to? Because I've got my own unique skill sets and they might not all marry up, but I'm sure something can help you in your process. And that I had a sales skill and that wasn't something Mike was in love with doing forever. So I offered to do it for him for free. He was very nice to offer me money.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. That's a good one, finding someone. I, I would say, I think the biggest mistake that new investors make, it, it's crazy, but they, they, they take way too long to start making offers. Right? I, so, I would say, in addition, like Mike said, to finding someone local, taking them out and picking their brain and seeing if you can shadow them or somehow help them or add a skill to their business that would be uh, uh, valuable to them, I would say start making offers. Like, start making offers. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can, you know, if it's not the best offer in the world, when you take a deeper dive, you can get out. But you're not a real estate investor until you buy a house. You just aren't, right? And a lot of people go to meetings and real estate investing meetings and stuff. And they talk the talk and they make the circuit and they get to know people and they're social and they're great, but they've never bought a property, but they, they think they're kind of a real estate investor. So until you make your first dollar, you're, you don't have a business. So get out there and make offers. Make a little bit of a mess of things and you'll figure it out.
0: Wow. That's great advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we let you go, what are some words to live by?
2: Oh, man. I'm usually a quote.
1: Yeah. I mean, words to live. Okay. So here's some words to live by. And we, in our, in our company, we kind of focused and, and drilled down to what are we about and what do we do? I think one thing is it's great to make money and, and you should really try hard to build your business, but ethics matter doing the right thing being able like I used to talk to Mike about this when we first started working together when he started going out on appointments and stuff and we were talking about like at what point do you push harder to get a better deal and at what point do you try to drive the cost down and my philosophy has always been if if you can't wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of yourself then like you, then you're not doing the right thing so just there's Ethics matter in, in the way you conduct yourself and it, whether or not you're into karma or religion or whatever, but just like being a good person, don't don't discount that. Some people get so blinded by trying to grow their business and make money and be more profitable and whatever that they kind of forget that you know, if you're not a good person, like it doesn't even matter. You're just gonna feel like crap about yourself. So don't don't discount ethics.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah. I would say do what is important not what is urgent. I think that came from the procrastinating on purpose book that I really enjoy, but figure out what is the thing that's going to move you forward and spend your time on that. Cause there are so many different inputs, especially today with, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. I don't even know how to it's use Twitter. that. Yeah. See, that's how bad I am. Sorry. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't know if I, I think I have an account. I know how to use it <laughs> and I'm 31 years old, so I have no clue, but what is important, not what is urgent and find Mm -hmm. out and figure out that and take the time to clarify that because you can spend your entire life building this huge tower. And then you realize that wasn't the tower you wanted to build. So figure out what it is you want and then spend the time focused on the important tasks that'll get you closer to that. Because respond to this email, respond to that text. It's easy to fall into that trap, right? I knocked down all these tasks today. but Were any of them valuable? Did any of them move me forward? Because I think a lot of us fall in a trap, myself included, right? I have a, a task list. Well, I could probably wipe out 80% of that most days if I just go, do I really have to do this today? Is that really that important? That's great.
1: Yeah. Being, being busy isn't necessarily being productive. You know, a lot of people run around, they feel like I'm so busy. You know, sometimes you're just not getting much done, you're just busy. So, you know, just like Mike said, do what's important. Don't, don't necessarily just always run to fires.
0: That's they great can. words of wisdom. Well,
3: besides Twitter, where else can we find you?
2: <laughs> I don't know who my Twitter is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can be reached directly at mike.cowper, C-O-W-P-E-R, at com. If anyone's interested in buying properties in Metro Detroit, uh, webuyroi.com. You can sign up on our buyers list there
1: nice yep um so I'm, I'm mike.simmons at we buy roi some similar thing shameless plug i have a podcast um nice. just start real estate so you can go check nice. me out there and reach out there if you want to um yeah so that's, that's it it's pretty straightforward amazing
0: fantastic well thank you so much guys for being on our podcast again we are very honored and very humbled by both of you thank you so much for your help over the past six months uh, these guys have actually taken our business and skyrocketed just by telling us one word, Wholesale. wholesaling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Once you kind of get on board with it, it's not bad. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's been awesome getting to know you guys, you're awesome people, which I, I put a high premium on dealing with and, and just surrounding myself with good, good people. And you guys are good people. So mm-hmm. it's been fun. It's been a pleasure. It's just super pleasure to know you guys.
0: Awesome. awesome.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you again for listening. This is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason Peeley. Again, thank you to Mike Cowper and Mike Simmons. And we look forward to speaking with everyone else again. Thank you. Bye.
3: We appreciate each of you listening to our show. And if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rated review. Five stars and give us some questions on Facebook. We'd love to have your questions answered by our guests on some of our next show. You can find us on Facebook at the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.